Uh, welcome to Managing Marketing, and we're still in the US at the ANA Advertising Financial Management Conference, but this time I have a great opportunity of talking with Douglas Woods, who's partner at Reed Smith, LLP. Welcome, Doug. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot. I'm glad to be here. Um, look, uh, one of the things, I've been coming to the conference for eight years, and one of the things I've always looked forward to is your presentations um, over the years. Uh, because there's a lot of talk around the legal aspects of advertising and marketing and the complexity that's come into that. And this year there seems to be a particularly, uh, particular focus on contracts, especially with ISBAR have uh, launched their own contract in the US for media. But I'm wondering, just to go back to some probably basics, what makes a good contract? What should people be trying to achieve or look for in a contract to make it a great contract? Well, in my view, it's to not look under every single rock when you're drafting Because yeah. that's what has, has resulted in today's contracts that are 60, 70 pages long, have all sorts of things on it that really have nothing to do with the relationship directly. They take you away from what the focus ought to be. You know, what is going to be delivered? What is it going to cost? What are, what are the accounting issues going to be? What are the audit issues going to be? There's maybe a dozen issues that are important in any kind of a contract. If people would focus more on those and, and not get so focused on so much of the boilerplate and so much of the stuff that is never going to be looked at again, it would be a much simpler process. Instead, they get bogged down in, in, in the irrelevancies, and then when they do focus on something that's really important, like the audit right or whatever it is, there's just a, a sense of fatigue, a sense of distrust, a sense of uh, this is getting too complicated. Uh, so we end up having, having a, lot more, uh, a lot more tension in contract negotiations than we need to. When I started this business, 40 years ago, an agency client agreement was three pages long. It was a letter. He said, hey, you're my agency, and, and you're going to do my creative, and I'm going to pay you this, and then have, let's have a nice life. Today, you can't find one that's less than 40, 50 pages long. And quite often, they're never signed. Yeah. Because they are negotiated for years and years. I literally have, I'm literally at, right now working with a large advertiser on the third term of their agency client agreement and none of them have ever been signed. Right. You've been negotiating it now for <laughs> almost seven years. That's unbelievable. But, you know, I mean, all the worst thing is they get signed and they get filed and right. nobody bothers nobody to attention. even refer to what was agreed in the right, first place right. until it all goes horribly wrong. Well, that, that's the, 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 the expression people like to use is you don't need the contract if something goes wrong. That is, the, that, that is about the most idiotic statement you can hear. Yeah. The contract is your map. It, it's, I mean, it's basically to say, you know, I'm going to leave uh, you know, Florida today and I'm not going to look at a map and I'm going to get to New York. If I don't get to New York, then I'll look at the map. Yeah. I mean, so you, you have to work with it during the course of the, of the, of the relationship. Otherwise, what's the point? I mean, yeah. if, if you're why sticking do it in, in the drawer, <laughs> why do it in the first place? Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, so you, you, it, that is a, an expression you hear from people. But don't worry about it. Just put it in the drawer and not worry about it. Well, that's the one that I want to really worry about because that's a relationship that's not going to work. We had a, uh, a situation with a client that uh, they noticed that the agency fee, production fees, had dropped. And uh, they, switch. <laughs> they, they called us in and said, you know, what should we do? And I said, well, just sit tight and see if it increases again. And sure enough, three months later, the fee went back up to what it was. And uh, we said, right, now we'll get involved. So we went, or went back to what it was, not what it should be. We went in and we looked at the contract and we said, hang on. The last three months you've actually been billing to the contract. What happens outside of that? And what had happened is the production manager of the agency that had been there for years 
had gone on long service leave and the new person had actually bothered to get the contract referred to it so that they knew how to bill the client and the fees had dropped because the contract actually didn't allow for certain things to be built. When they went, when they left and the old production manager came back, the fee went back up. <laughs> so then we had a whole thing, we got some auditors in to work out what needed to be rebated. Right. But that's where contracts are essential in working out what's going to be charged. Um, it's interesting because the world has become a lot more complex. Is that why contracts have become so much more complex? I think so. You know, it's been, and this is, you know, does require some serious focus in terms of drafting contracts. Is the the outlets for for content are becoming so varied today, and so you know, and such different kinds of platforms from uh, you know the traditional platforms to all sorts of digital platforms to mobile platforms to to you know different kinds of site issues they. They're contributing content uh, through uh, you know, native advertising, through, at events. And the, the, the idea of sponsorship and, and exposure of your brand in the marketplace has so many new outlets today that it's extremely complex. And a lot of them are very opaque in the way they operate. No one really quite understands today exactly how programmatic works or exactly what a trading desk is doing or, or some of these other things that are out there. They're new. Uh, folks really don't uh, have... Uh, uh, the, the, the time to really understand it completely because they've got lots of other things they're doing. So they just trust people. There's a lot of, a lot of trust that has now turned into distrust, unfortunately, mm -hmm. because some, uh, some things have been revealed uh, in, the, in the past few months that, that indicate that uh, uh, you know, proper accounting may not have been done mm -hmm. on some of the costs involved with this and the relationship between the agent and the advertiser. So, so you know we're seeing a, we're seeing that that, that complexity uh, was necessary in contracts to address this, and now we're going to actually I think the next trend will be to go back to simplicity in this instance by by creating a much more robust requirement of transparency. Mm -hmm. So that rather than trying to understand what you're doing behind the closed door, you're going to open up the door and I'm going to look and see what it is you're doing. What's that and saying? Open the kimono. Yeah. yeah, open the kimono exactly. And, <laughs> and you know it's it's it. it could be a very ugly view. Well, yeah. well, if you think about this, it's really deja vu all over again. If yeah. you remember back uh, when the uh, Sachis first came to the United States and they bought yeah. Ted Bates and they bought Compton and they bought some other agencies and, and everybody woke up to the amount of money that agencies were making. They never yeah. saw it before then because it was a 15% commission deal. Yeah. They never got a separate invoice. The, you yeah. know, the media was basically paying the agency. So everybody was you know, fine until all of a sudden they were making enormous amounts of money. And Bob Jacoby allegedly left Ted Bates back in the, back in thirty years ago or more with a hundred million dollars or something. That was the, the, what was said in the press. So the the advertising community went crazy, and that was the beginning of the end of the commission structure, and therefore then the beginning of the uh, of agencies trying to find other ways to make their money. Mm. And and what was a very simple thing that could be exist on three pages evolved come, over time yeah. into 50, 60 page contracts because of all of the uh, the pressures on the agencies to make money, and then the pressures on the advertisers to reduce costs, and so it was a. It's become a very, very complex system. And it's also the um, a lot of client businesses and categories have become incredibly complex because I know we looked at a uh, a bank contract and it was a hundred pages with the agency in its own right, but buried in there was the um, uh, privacy oh. provision, which said uh, click on this link here, right. and when you went to that link, and there was another hundred pages on privacy. Um, there was a. a, a um, 
regulatory uh, compliance. Yeah, regulatory compliance, uh, the, the required sustainability compliance, the um, diversity compliance, and these were another you know, 50 to 100 pages in their own right, which just meant that if you printed it all out, those small forests in Brazil would disappear. Well, you know, the, the uh, is an expression in law, you honour it in its breach. So that, that basically you, you say to, if, if, and, and financial institutions and pharmaceutical companies, you know, big highly regulated industries are notorious for this. They have all these federal regulations that have been put upon them. They, they don't have any choice. They can't yeah. modify them. They are what the law requires them to yeah. do. So they put in a footnote that you've got to comply with this, or they put in a link, whatever it is. And nobody really ever reads them. And if you're a supplier, there's no way in many times that you could possibly comply with it. You, wouldn't, you don't have the resources to invest into being in full compliance with some of these sustainability issues, some of these diversity issues. Not that you're not a good environmentalist, that you're not a good employer, but these things are incredibly complex. And for smaller businesses, particularly for, for independent agencies, they don't have the wherewithal to even begin to think about complying with it. So the, the advice a lawyer will give is, well, you're just going to honor it in his breach. Sign the deal. And day one, you're breaching, but no one's going to do it about it. I mean, it's just not, because nobody can really comply with this. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an anomaly in the business that there are many, many contracts that are signed like that, uh, that no one ever even reads them. Yeah. That's why they have a link. <laughs> yeah, you almost don't have to <laughs> yeah, read don't, it. Don't go to the links. But isn't it a bit like uh, those website term conditions yeah, that no say, by like, exactly. accepting exactly. this, yeah. yeah. And then you, you, <laughs> but, but, but think of this, now even, I, I have to laugh because I do it too. You, you go to the website and then you say accept and then a, a second thing comes up and says, are you sure you accept? They go, yeah, sure. And you've never read them. You've exactly. never read them. You know, they well, could be saying, you know, you're giving away your firstborn and, and I now have a lien on your house. Oh, sure. I accept. No worries. <laughs> just try claiming on it. Just, just give me my content. I want my content. I'll agree to anything but my content. I'm always worried though when they give you the option to have it emailed to you. Yeah, because right, then yeah, I go, yeah. okay, there's going to be pages and pages right, and pages. Right. I don't want the email option. And then there's the additional complexity of holding companies and them owning uh, multiple companies within ownership of the holding company and, and clients uh, contracting one part but actually getting services from multiple parts. And, and I've often seen, I mentioned it uh, earlier too, before we, we started talking about this uh, related bodies corporate and trying to bind everyone to that contract. Does that actually work? Uh, it can. I mean, it, 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 I think it's, you're going to see a lot more pressure to do that, particularly in the media buying side of things. Uh, there's a very high level of distrust in media buying right now between the advertising and media buying companies. What you have is what's known as an oligopoly. Mm -hmm. You have a relatively small number, five or six, uh, holding companies that control about 80% of the global media buying. So there's not a lot of, 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 re of alternatives for the advertisers, the global advertisers to go to. And what the what the media buying companies do, which is perfectly legal, is they kind of act the same. It's called conscious parallelism, is the technical term. And it means, it's just like gas prices. It's not that the two gas stations across the street from each other both agreed on the price of gas, it's just that they waited for one yes, to do it and the other did yeah, 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 it's just, you know, they just don't want to do the same thing. So, so there's, there's not a lot of options that the advertisers have among these companies, but at the same time, uh, based upon studies that have been done recently and, and efforts that are being made at the, uh, at the, at the advertiser side, I think you're going to see a, a huge change in that relationship where there's going to have to be unprecedented disclosure, unprecedented transparency, because uh, the, 
the failure, uh, alleged failure, I should say, of, of the media buying holding companies to pass on uh, the credits, the incentives, and other things that they get. Kickbacks, volume rebates. All, all the stuff that they get um, uh, is far more pervasive than anybody thought it was. And it, it involves many, many billions of dollars mm. that, are, that may have been perfectly, uh, you know, handled, but no one really knows. So, so there's sort of a two-step process here that, that the first wave of this transformation will be uh, a lot of questions as to, well, what did you do, Mr. Advertiser? What did you do, uh, Mr. Uh, holding Company Media Buying Agency? And, and once they get those answers, then the determination will be made whether those answers indicate proper allocation of funds. If the second question is answered in the negative, there's going to be a, a seismic moment in this business. Mm. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to have to account for an awful lot of money. And there'll be regulators involved, there'll be litigators involved, there'll be all sorts of people involved. And, and the question will be, uh, you know, if you could flash forward a year from now, um, either this will be fine because people will answer the questions correctly yeah. and honestly and the answers will be okay, or this industry will be dramatically different. Yeah. In a year from now than it is today. I don't know which way it's going to go. Depends what's under that kimono. Uh, yeah, exactly. And and uh, the studies that are, that are about to come out and will be out by the time uh, this this podcast uh, uh, broadcasts, I think are going to, from every indication I have, show that there's a lot of things that are not good under that kimono. Right. Doesn't mean that they're they're illegal or that no. they're improper but they're going to raise an awful lot of questions that need to be answered. So there's a thing about primates, and that is if you get two monkeys and they do a piece of work and you reward one with two bananas and the other doesn't get any, they get sad, first of all, and dejected because they've been missed out, and then they get angry. And I think we're seeing the same thing here. I wonder whether it's... Trans people talk about transparency, but what they really want to be assured of is that they're not missing out on what someone else is getting or they're being overcharged for what someone well, else is getting. Well, yeah, I mean, it comes down to, as, as you've heard me speak about this before, it really comes down to a very simple, basic principle in law that, that goes back to, the, you know, when they use peppercorns instead of money in, in yep. exchanging stuff. If you are, if you are an agent or a disclosed principal, in other words, if you are entrusted with somebody else's money to do a transaction for them on their behalf, you are not entitled to anything out of that transaction except what the, the other party has agreed to pay you. So if, if in theory I'm a media buying company and I have a contract with an advertiser and my deal is that I'm getting a 5% commission and I'm now going to give you $100 million to go do my media buy, you are not entitled to one cent above that 5% commission unless you have it in writing from mm. it, that you are entitled to keep it. Now, okay, let's assume that you're, you know, looking for ways to manipulate that system and you're the media buying company. You find ways of, of having those incentives returned to you by the media buying, by the media company mm -hmm. in ways that are not traceable. Yeah. The ways that I, I, if I wanted to do an audit of you, uh, I would not be able to find that the, the rebate, the incentive, the free time, the whatever it was, went somewhere else. Mm. And that's that suspicion, that that that, that anger now yeah. that exists in your 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 theory, your your analogy to the primates, that anger now is translating into saying to the holding companies, I want to know everything that's going on in your structure. Yeah. I want to know if I, if I hired XYZ media company that everything that they do with my money and every benefit they get from my money is being accounted back to me, not someplace else in your system. Now it may or may not actually be happening that way. 
but it's gotten to the anger point because it, the, your analogy is perfect. I mean, it's basically the, 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 your two monkeys, one is advertiser A and one is advertiser B, and advertiser A, who's not getting any bananas, is absolutely believes that advertiser B is getting a bunch, hey, that's and, and he's angry, and that's my banana. I want yeah. my banana. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it's it's really it's really kind of um, degraded into that. So that that the reason I think the theme is so strong here uh, um, at this conference is because of the revelations that have happened in the last year. Last year, uh, oh. a gentleman named John Mandel. He was yeah. basically the whistleblower, if you want to call him yeah. that. If, if his allegations are true, he's a bona fide whistleblower. And if his allegations are true, then. And this investigation that's going on reveals that, you know, some some uh, validity to it. Uh, then we're going to have a very very tough year for the media buying company. Because the December before that, before he came and, and um, in the U.S. in Australia, MediaCom was absolutely caught with their pants exactly. down, exactly, um, with a value bank and with the misappropriation of value to particular. And what what amazes what amazed me about that when I saw that. And read that, I, got, I, I, say, I remember saying to somebody how naive I am. I said, boy, this is gonna, that's, a, that's gonna come here immediately. The, the, the folks are gonna wake up to what happened in Australia, it's gonna happen in United nothing, zero nothing. zip. It's like, because you're so far away, relevant. we don't know what you're doing. Yeah, it's irrelevant, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I learned that very quickly. We don't even know you're a monkey. You know, we yeah. don't even know how many bananas you have. <laughs> from the first time I came to the States, I learned very quickly not to use the examples from Australia, because it was irrelevant. Yeah, it's that it's that uh, land down yeah, under. Right. It's That's mysterious and exotic right. and totally irrelevant That's to right. the US. Fine with the bears the fact that we watch all of your television, all of your yeah. movies, yeah. we we could be counted the fifty-first or fifty-second well, state of America. Yeah. yeah, because of that. Look, uh, so this uh, the holding companies. Um, one of the other issues is being publicly listed companies. They're reporting profits on a quarterly basis and one of the interesting things for me is the number of clients that phone me up at reporting time and go my agency's holding companies just made a re reported another record profit am i paying too much yeah right <laughs> i think this whole structure this uh holding company publicly well, the, listed is reinforcing to clients that they're in business to make profit right but but you do get to a where when um, like Martin Sorrell announced the other day, it was defending the other day his hundred million dollar year salary package. Yeah. Now, if you're, the, if you're the president and CEO of a major multi billion dollar advertiser, chances are you're not making a fraction of that in terms of your salary, and he's your supplier. So th that's what happened back when the Sachi's came, when the advertisers saw guys like Jacoby and, and Chuck Peebler selling their agencies and making tens of millions of dollars. They said, wait a minute, that's a supplier. I must be overpaying a supplier. So it's, it's deja vu all over again. This is an industry that repeats its mistakes time and time again. That's what keeps me in business. If they ever actually stopped repeating their mistakes, I would be selling pencils on the corner. Me too. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hilarious. It really is. Now, I want to so move. This is, this is chapter whatever it is yeah. of, the, of the book. Uh, of your book. And you've written a few of them. Yeah, well, yeah. This one will be the last one I write in February. <laughs> so um, I want to move on to intellectual property because it's uh, an area that gets raised a lot. Um, and the concept of who owns the intellectual property, most contracts say that it's uh, transferred from the creator, being the agency, to the, um, uh, the, the advertiser on, payment, on the payment of fees. Um, but the internet's changed, the, the, or ch at least challenged the concept of copyright and, um, and the like, hasn't it? 
It very much so, you know. And, and the way I analogize it uh, recently was I said, you know, we used to we used to be focused on ownership, you know, who owns something. Uh, now we're focused on who can enforce something. Uh, and and there's, there's huge impracticalities of enforcing what you clearly own, and, and you own these rights, but it becomes near impossible to enforce them on the internet. It's the whack-a-mole game. You know, if, if I see a piece of my content on the internet that uh, someone's using improperly, I can send them a, a notice and they pull it down and somebody else pops it up. Congress even enabled this. Un un unwittingly, Congress enabled it with the Digital Millennium Copyright Act here in the United States, where um, you know, people like YouTube and Google and other, other uh, uh, folks argued that, listen, we're, we can't censor everything that comes up on our, on our site because we have, there's just nobody, not enough human beings to do that. So, so you've got to give us a break and we're not liable for any infringements. Um, as long as we take it down if, if the legitimate copyright owner asks it to do that. Yeah. Well, th that seems kind of logical. I mean, how can we ask Google or, or Facebook to be, you know, ultra cops or you know, whatever? Mm -hmm. On the other hand, taking them off that liability allows for carte blanche people to <laughs> upload stuff and then, and then you need to find them. You, you, you can't find them. And if you enforce it against one, not well, only sometimes, well, it even gets worse. If your reputation gets out there as being enforcing that, the internet community, the social media Turns community, revolts against you, against you yeah. and they make it twice as worse. You know, yeah. they, they they get even crazier. So, yeah. You know, so it's a it's really a it's changed from a world where we could systematically determine who owns something and then secure their rights and enforce their rights to you know it, it we don't even argue ownership. We're just going to try to figure out who's out there that can enforce you know the rights of of, of whoever the intellectual property owners are. To stop that infringing use, and you know, but it, it's so rampant today, it's completely changed the perspective of when you can or cannot actually do anything about it. Uh, so, many many companies, I think, just take the attitude, you know, because because I see why in the U.S. when so much of the value created by the U.S. economy is intellectually property based, you know, the movie and television oh, yeah. industry, the music industry, well, the software industry, these are the big. Uh, economic drivers of your economy. So, and yet at the same time, you know, the first sort of federal uh, uh, approval of infringement, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, the way I explained it earlier, the latest is the FCC. Right. The Federal Communication Commission wants to open the box, in a sense it's on the TV, so that any provider of content, like it's Google or Hulu or whatever yeah. it is, that's got nothing to do with the box, it has to do with streaming and internet access, or is allowed to have, to have that content. For free, oh. okay. so that they so that they can they can distribute more content to consumers because it's a good thing for consumers. Yeah. Well, someone needs to, to, to say in the process who's paying for that content. That's right. And I have to be able to get an ROI on my content. I, and if you're telling me that the moment I put it on cable vision and it goes to the box, bingo! Now you know everybody else is going to pick it up. How am I supposed to follow that? How am I supposed to pay for that? You know, you're you're, you're killing the goose that laid the golden egg. It, it's no different than another example is ad blocking. Yep. The government thinks ad blocking is a wonderful thing. Because it's good for because the Because it's good for the consumer, right? Yeah. Well, well, it's, it's also taking many millions of dollars out of the revenue stream to the point where some publications, some publishers, like the Washington Post for one, if I go up and I click you know, on their teaser to go to an article, if I have an ad blocker on my computer, it comes up and says, I'm not gonna, you can't see the ad. You can't see the article. Right. You have an ad blocker, you've got to turn them off. 
You know, so it, it, but it, that's that's the implicit deal in, in that if I'm giving you content. It's not the implicit deal. It's the deal you said yes to yeah, when you, yeah, when you unwittingly yeah, said okay. Yeah, yeah. Right? So in theory, in theory, when you put an ad blocker on your computer, you are breaching your personal contracts that you all said yes to right. to all those publishers when you first went onto their site. Mm. But are they going to go sue you for breach of contract? No. Right. So, but the mm. point being that there is a there's a very uh, worrisome attitude at the regulatory level that content owners uh, you know, are second rate, that they will somehow produce content for free. and find out a way to do it uh, and at the same time give everything to consumers for free. Mm. And I remember years ago one of the studio producers, after Napster came out, they were, you know, this big uh, controversy over music, yep. he was asked, well, what are you going to do when the same thing happens to the film industry? And his response was, I cannot be free. Yeah, right? that's right. And so, so it, that's that's the problem. Well, um, it's weird being uh, living in Australia because we have a English legal system and a, uh, a Western political system. But in the last twenty years, we've been repositioned as part of Asia, and uh, in China, copyright actually means right to copy, yes. <laughs> and and everything is free. You know, um, all of their movies and TV yeah. and everything is streamed into homes free as part of the you know communist government wanting to entertain the masses right. because if they're sitting there watching their free movies, they're not, they're not thinking about revolution. Right. 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 Exactly. Maybe that's not a bad idea here. <laughs> I think it's called Fox News, and, it, it's, and, and it's created a revolution with right, uh, right, Donald yeah. Trump at yeah, the, right. the head of it. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. It's just one never-ending soap opera now, whatever. Well, if we can move on um, to the next issue that I'm uh, very keen to talk about, because you know the US US-based companies contribute or are responsible for eighty percent of the advertising budget decisions around the world. And so we often in Asia see um, global um, master services agreements, which are very US based and will often have clauses that are either um, not supported by legislation in a particular market. And so you wonder, cause, and yet they get signed because of course the agency wants to have the global client's business in every market. Um, do, how do people come to terms with the uh, the differences between markets? It, 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 as simplistic as this answer may seem, they don't. Right. Because the, re the, the thing that amazes me about this industry, having been in it quite a while, it's incredibly forgiving to mistakes by either side. Yeah. Either it's a make good, it's an adjustment in a price, it's something, something that will make people happy again. It's not like no one's running off to right. Uh, it's, it's not as if you to lawyer up. <coughs> yeah, it's not like it's, it, it, by way of analogy. If you bought a dishwasher and it kept breaking, what would you do? You'd bring it back. Yeah. Yet this industry breaks all the time, and people say, "Well, okay, we, well, let's do it again." It's it's it's, it's, it's it was, what was it Einstein's definition or somebody's insanity definition. Insanity doing the same thing. Yeah, the same thing is going to have a different. This industry again. I I, I love this <laughs> this industry because obviously it's it's supported my. It's crazy. Family forever, but it's crazy. <laughs> it, it is a crazy industry that that is got you know real characters that are just fun to work with, and, but they, they keep doing the same thing over and over again, thinking there's going to be a different result. And if you're in this business long enough, you realize that it's you don't get very many original questions. You go, yeah, that happened five years ago, that happened yeah. twenty years ago, that happened whatever. It is. <laughs> so it's, 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 
it, it ceases to amuse me. Yeah. Look, uh, we've run out of time, but I really appreciate uh, you coming along and having a chat. Now I'm going to remember monkeys and bananas from now on, as long as yeah. I remember. I'm going to be looking at everybody, how many bananas is he at now? <laughs> well, you know, we aren't that different. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> we've that's lost true. the tail, but we're still angry if we don't get our bananas. <laughs> we don't get our bananas, we're still angry. Well, thanks a lot. Doug, Doug Woods, thank you very much.